Welcome to episode seven of Deep Natter. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and in this episode, Sean and I are talking about some of the challenges of bringing focus back from our various social media platforms to our own websites, which in many ways are the only places we have online that allow us to really curate how our work is presented to an audience. We also talk about how much we miss communities and how easy it's become to simply retreat into a sort of creative isolation. Here we go. All right, I'm, I'm gonna. You know what? We're gonna. I've got. I've, here we go. I'm gonna metro. I'm, I'm metronoming it. Here we go. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Three, two, one, clap. See, there is perfection. See, is that it? That's it. All right. Man. I, I did. I, I my hand was moving. I was. I was giving myself. I, I was like Bernstein conducting the fill. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. I think I need one of those little wands to have on my desk. Just one of those little conducty wand things. Some people use those um, metronomes for meditating. Have you heard of that? I, I quite like it, actually. It drives Adrian crazy, but I like that rhythmic sort of, yeah. you know, tick, tick. Do you remember who, who used, uh, uh, didn't uh, Morgan Freeman use one in seven? Isn't that what he used to, to fall asleep? Oh, Do you remember that flick? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's I right. I think he used a metronome on his nightstand to, to fall asleep in the city. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's on my my rewatchables list. I know. I have to go watch that again. I I told you I've been going through that podcast, The Rewatchables. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically what I've been doing is like I'll watch a movie that they've done an episode on and then listen to the episode afterwards. has been quite cool. So this this weekend was uh, Last of the Mohicans, which was a blast from the 90s. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Can we we diverge just for a minute? Yeah. I love Daniel Day-Lewis as an actor. Mm Mm-hmm. But the whole like, you know, when he's talking to Madeline Stowe, do whatever it takes, stay alive. I will find you. I will get to you. Do, 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 do. Next scene, they're together. Where's where's Irish accent starts popping out? Whatever occurs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Daniel. For you my were... money, still Gangs of New York, his his best performance. Yeah, he, Bill the Butcher. He, although you know what, I need to give a go again is uh, Phantom Thread. You know, I never saw that and I wanted to. It, it's one that slipped through the cracks. I must write that down because it, it's one I wanted to see and I just, I never did. I know it's one I need to be like in the right mood for because it requires a bit of patience, but I, I've, I've just heard so many people go, that's his best. Really? And it's, and it's Paul Thomas Anderson's best film, some people think, which is saying a lot. Wow. Yeah. High praise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and another one. So, so this is, I was going to say that's our last diversion. One more quickly, quickly, because because yeah, no, go ahead, um, go ahead. Uh, the other one I did was Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, oh, what a great movie! I'd never seen it. Which is, oh, I love that. Philip Seymour Hoffman was just fantastic in that movie. Exactly, and you see that that's the point I wanted to make is is I, I didn't even know he was in it. So when he suddenly wanders into a scene, legend. I was like, oh my gosh. But they made a really good point in the podcast about that, the fact that the, the sort of core five in that movie, you're catching them kind of early in their careers and they're all brilliant. So, you know, Matt mm-hmm. Damon, Jude Law, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Kate Blanchett, who actually so Kate good. Blanchett apparently didn't even have that big a role, but they loved her so much. They just kept writing extra lines for her and giving right. her more scenes. Right. She was so good. 
Yeah, that that scene where where Hoffman goes into the apartment and he's like, "You're not Dickie Greenleaf. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that whole like cat and mouse thing. Oh, oh man, it was so good. And he's so hammering good. on the piano keys. Yeah, uh, yeah while yeah. he's talking and and like Matt Damon's getting more and more angry at him and telling him to stop, and he just keeps hammering and staring him down on the top. Like it's really so well great. done. So good. Yeah, what a, what a terrible loss. I know Seymour Hoffman. But I guess he was he was really unhappy. Yeah, we lose the good ones, man. Mm. I I kind of put him in that same thing with um, with Robin Williams, you know. A, oh yeah, an insanely yeah, sure. talented actor, you know. I mean, we, but also deeply troubled. Really, really troubled. Really, really struggled yeah. with with whatever it was, you know. And oh yeah, it's just, it's just too much of that, isn't it? That kind of yeah. And Williams was such an underrated dramatic actor. Yeah, not by me. I, I was I sung his praises like I mean for oh. me, he's one of the best actors ever. Like yeah, the stuff that I he's he was done. Fantastic. And the, the the fact that he's able to be the genie in Aladdin and then jump into like Dead Poets or or Patch yeah, Adams or, or whatever. One hour or, photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. Or 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 give the 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 speeches he did. I mean, I, I often just go and because there's a bunch of YouTube playlists which are like the best actor speeches or monologues of all time. And the one that always pops up is, is, is his speech to Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting on the bench in the right. park. Right, 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 right. Like, oh man. I mean, just so, so good. Yeah. He's, he was incredible, wasn't he? Yeah. Quite a loss. Do you want to um, tell us about your website? What are you doing? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. That's boring. It's just web stuff. But I think it's interesting because you're, 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 um, like we were talking earlier about, about like how our very different approaches to sharing what we do. Oh, that part of it. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like, tell me about WordPress. <laughs> yeah, you oh. can skip that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you feel the love? Do you, do you feel it, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard it. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. ruin it for anyone else, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, it's it it is this this thing of of, and I know we spend a lot of time on social media, and and it is sort of tangentially connected to social media. But I really do want to make my website more of a destination for me, and I think the, the key in that sentence is for me, um, because I do so many different things, and I have so many different interests. If you catch a social media snapshot of something that I post and and you're not necessarily familiar with what I do, you may you may make an assumption on that one post or you may go forward or backward, you know, one or two posts and make an assumption based on a very narrow representation of what I do or what I like or what I'm interested in or what I want to do, right? And I think it's it's taken me a while to kind of realize that that I'm I'm never going to use social media the way it needs to be used in order to make an impact. Um, and instead, I want to focus that energy on on giving you a broad representation of what I do. So that if you go to if you have your choice of of going to my Instagram page, let's say, or Instagram profile, or going to my website, you're going to see vastly different representations of me. And Sean and I were talking about this this morning, actually, how we we tend to approach and want to use these tools in a different way. And I think part of that is is it comes down to to focus. You know, when when you go to YouTube, for example, and look at Sean's videos, 
that's really the only place you can see those videos. Um, and if you go to his website, you're going to get a different experience. You're, you're going to get uh, a photographic experience, but you're going to miss out on the video experience because those are all housed on YouTube. Um, and I, so I think it, the way I'm trying to approach my site is a little different. I agree with you, Sean, that it's a little different use case simply because the platform that, that the bulk of your work is on has to sort of stand apart from your site. I mean, you could link to it or you could embed, but ultimately it's a different experience and, and people are just better served to go to YouTube. Whereas I think with what I'm trying to do with my site, I, I, I want you, I want you to see the diversity of, of the interests that I have and in, in how I sort of apply those interests to what I do, whatever sort of creative work I do, whether that's, you know, writing or, or painting with acrylics or, you know, uh, taking a left turn from acrylics and getting back to encaustic or talking to people about what they do or, you know, whatever it is, I think my website is a better representation of that than any single social media platform, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the more you, the, the more kind of, uh, since, since talking to you, I have been thinking about it and I thought I, I at least need to make more of an effort on my website to, to give that holistic overview of all the things that I do. I mean, I've already got like a few pages that are like selections of playlists of things that I've got on YouTube, but they're just kind of embedded. Um, the mm -hmm. photography I've got on my website is not really a good representation of where my photography is now. It's outdated. Right. Right. Um, and I need to definitely revisit that and probably make more of an effort to make it a, a richer experience. Um, because you're right. I mean, I mean, in an ideal world, I suppose we would, I, I wouldn't need a YouTube and I wouldn't need an Instagram and I wouldn't need a whatever else. I could just post stuff that I'm doing to my website and lots of people would visit my website daily. Um, the frustration is I know that's not the reality that I right. have, to, I have right. to go to where people are hanging out, which are these other platforms. But that's not an excuse for not having a, a really good, I suppose it's what you would, because uh, uh, I know um, your conversation with Bill really kind of inspired you and got you thinking that idea of setting out your stall. You know, here, you, if you really yeah, it really everything did. I am, this, yeah. these are all the things I am. Um, I'm going to come to you for, for particular things, but if you want to see a more holistic picture of what I offer, you have to come to me. Here it is, which I kind of yeah. like. I like that idea. Yeah. And, and you made a good point earlier. I was, I was explaining that, that, or I was trying to, you know, explain that, that with my website, I get to control how you see me and, mm -hmm. and, and what, what I present, what, what, what do I have facing front to the world? And you made a very good point. And I think it's absolutely valid that while you can control how you appear using a website, focusing on your own website, getting people to that website, that becomes the bigger challenge, mm -hmm. right? You, with, with you having things on YouTube, there, there, is, um, there is an organic sort of searchability or an organic discovery process that happens beyond just what the algorithm kind of pushes out or, or pushes, pushes you, how, how the algorithm pushes you out, I guess I should say. Um, and on a website that becomes much more difficult, especially with some of the changes that Google has made to page rankings. Uh, just recently they have, they have, uh, and I, I can't remember if they are, they were in place or they're, I think they're in place now, but anyway, re regardless, 
uh, you are now being penalized for low uh, uh, page speed. So if your website takes a long time to load beyond this arbitrary limit that Google has established, you will actually be penalized in page rankings, mm -hmm. in search results. So it, it does, you know, sort of force the hand to, and, and why not? I mean, why not, uh, you know, gone are the days of flash intros where, you know, you had to load these things and then sit and wait for it and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So you, it, it, it does behoove you to make for, you know, a better experience for your, for your viewers and, and not have a lot of bloat. But there is often a fine line between, between features and design, between page speed and aesthetics. And that's, that's the line that I've always had a hard time walking is because I, I want to do this, this, and this, but I know that it's going to cost me here, here, and here in terms of, of efficiency or speed. So I've, I've kind of taken a different approach and I still use WordPress. Uh, I find that for me and the way I want to present the things that, that I do, WordPress is the best solution for me. I used Squarespace for a number of years. And I think Squarespace is a terrific platform. If, if all you want to do is what Squarespace does, mm -hmm. great. But it gets very tricky very quickly to go beyond that. And they've gone to this. Remember when Squarespace used to be kind of this all in one, like here's one price and you get all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's, well, if you want to have e-commerce, it's now there's this add on. If you want to do a lot of e-commerce, there's another add on. If you want to do a newsletter, there's another add on. There's another add on. There's another add on. And it, it just, it, it feels like they've shifted gears. Whereas with WordPress, you've kind of always known what you're in for. Yeah. And uh, I showed you, in fact, the back end this morning of, of some of the changes that WordPress has done with version 5.8, which is their most recent release. And they're going to this sort of block based, it's called Gutenberg is their, their block editor. And they're going to this block based approach where you can drag things in and, and, you know, customize blocks and, and get very close to what Requi what used to require a page builder like Elementor or you know Divi Builder or something like that, mm. but you're getting very close to that with with native code and and native uh, blocks, which means that you're reducing the number of additional plugins that are required, which means you're decreasing in a perfect world you're decreasing load times and you're decreasing you know page weight, um, which I find a lot of fun, kind of walking that line and trying to say okay here's Here's how I want to see myself, but I know that I also have to, you know, make it lightweight enough that I'm not penalized for that. Otherwise, it's all for naught. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think because a lot of people will say, you know, well, I'm starting out in photography. Should I have a website? And I'm like, yeah, of course you should. But I, right. I think you need to manage your expectations around it. I, I always think of my website as um, it's like my business card. So, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to give my business card to people if I meet them and I introduce myself as a photographer and they sound interested in what I do so that that business card will point them to that website so they can spend some time with the, 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 a good representation of, of all the things that I do, but I have to point them there and they'll only go there in small numbers. Um, and, but yeah, you absolutely should spend the time and, and put something like that together, I think, because it does keep mm -hmm. people quick access and it's, it's shareable and they can spend time with it. It's a way to contact you. It's a way to sign up for newsletters, all those good things. Yeah. Right. I think the engagement can be different too. You know, I, I've been, I've been thinking about 
how I see engagement. And for me, engagement has dropped on Instagram, but it's increased on Twitter. I think it might be because a lot of people are moving from one to the other, honestly, because when they Perhaps. make that announcement. Yeah. You know. So I, I don't know how it's going to go moving forward. I just, I'm excited about the potential of kind of reclaiming because I think even, even, you know, business cards, that's a, that's a great point. I think moving forward on the next batch, I'm not going to include the social media accounts. I will just include the website because that's the only thing that really is going to be constant. And they can get to those social media accounts through your website. They can get, and if there's a new thing that comes along that that replaces one or the other, then I could include that on the website. And I'm not, I'm not tied to an end point to what you were saying earlier. I'm not tied to an end point that's not really an adequate representation of all that I do. And that's what I'm trying to get across. And you're right. That conversation with Bill really hit home. And for those of you who, who may not have listened to it, uh, it's, it's up on my website. Um, but he said something and he, he, he said, I'll paraphrase cause I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something to the effect of, we are all, we're all afraid of, of what did he say? We're all afraid of being our town crier. Yeah. For fear that, that somebody's going to actually call us out and ask us to produce. <laughs> and man, you could have knocked me over with a feather because that's, that's exactly how I have felt for a lot of years that I, 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 I don't want to really beat my own drum. I don't really want to, to be, you know, emphatic about I'm a this or I'm a that, because then if, if you go, oh, well, you know, let me see your work or, you know, do you take commissions or, you know, whatever the case may be, but getting round to accepting that, that not only is that part of the job, it might be the biggest part of the job, says the guy who's got 80 something paintings in his basement. <laughs> Have you done any more thinking about what that is for you? The, the fact that you do know your, you do, you can admit to yourself that you have a skill set. Yes. But you don't really want to admit it to other people, especially if they're asking you to use that skill set for their benefit. Like, do you know what that is for you yet? That kind of gets, in you the know, way? I don't. And I, I was talking to my stepmother about it the other day. Um, and my, my stepmother has been, she was hugely instrumental in my creative development. Uh, she is also a painter um, and always had, you know, craft projects and art projects when I was a kid, you know, and, and for a long time, my dad would, uh, he would sleep during the day because he worked nights. And so a lot of my time when I was, when I was at his house, when it was, you know, his, his weekend with me or whatever, I would be doing things with Linda and she would always have these incredibly fun and, and diverse kind of craft projects. Uh, and she's the one who really kind of taught me to paint. Uh, and we were talking about it and she's like, you know, I was telling her about some of these things and she said, you know, I completely relate to you. I still have the first paintings that I ever did. Huh. I just haven't been able to let them go. Well. And I said, really? Because I didn't, I didn't know this until she, she said it. And she said, yeah, it, it, there's certain work that you, you just don't want to let people know about or, or for whatever reason, it means something to you that the other work doesn't mean. And, and that's the work you want to hold on to. Um, and I, I asked her, I said, you know, you, you told me at one point that you didn't want to be a painter as a vocation because you, you love it so much and you didn't ever want it to become a job. You didn't ever want it to be something that you had to do to make rent. 
do you ever regret making that decision? And she said, not for a minute. Hmm. And I just, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, decades later that that kind of decision to keep this thing for herself. And she's, you know, maybe, maybe this is where I've learned some of this stuff because she gives away, she, she will sooner give away a painting to someone who, who expresses, you know, an interest or, or I've seen her take things off the wall and just go, well, here, have it. Hmm. And maybe that's where some of that comes in. I don't know. Hmm. Do you think it is that view? Is it's how you feel about those pieces, not how you feel about your own skills? Maybe you know. I mean, I maybe. I because I, I, I can't paint the way she paints. She's a brilliant painter. She can and she can paint across the board. She paints landscapes. She yeah. paints. I mean, she went through a barn phase. You know, where she was going out and painting these old barns and old trees and. And then she would, she would, would meet the people that owned the barn and she would paint portraits of them. Mm. And, and it, 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 the range of her ability is far greater than mine. Right. But she looks at my work and says, I just don't know how you do this. I don't know where this comes from. I can do the things that I do, but I, I can't for a minute pretend that I could do that. And I think that's where we often, as, as makers of one thing or another, we get stuck. We're always looking at somebody else's work and going, wow, man, they're, they're, you know, that's, that's it. I wish I could do that. But I don't know that we give much thought to they looking at our work going, well, yeah, I can do this, but I can't do what you do. You know, so there's always this sort of creative grass is greener. Yeah, so you're, you're right when you talk about her work. She is brilliant. She's really talented. But when she says the same about your work, Maybe she's clearly she's out of her mind. Delusional. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you're both yeah. saying exactly the same thing about each other's work. Yes. Actually is, is you're looking yeah. at the other person going, I could never do that. You have an amazing amount of talent. Well, and I, I think one of the other things, and this came up in the conversation with Michelle is at, at the museum is that the people, she said, take a look at the people that you find really inspirational, like your heroes that you look at. So de Kooning, Pollock, uh, Helen Frankenthaler, you know, Rothko, uh, Rauschenberg, those people, they all knew each other. They all hung out. They all kind of commented and critiqued one another's work. It was, mm. you know, it was like, uh, 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 the Laurel Canyon music scene in the seventies, mm-hmm. you know, where you, you had, you know, you know, Brian Wilson coming over to James Taylor's house and, and they're comparing notes and sitting down and playing together and, and that kind of thing. You know, I don't know if that really happened. I'm just, I'm assuming I, I want to, I want that to have happened. <laughs> I think that would be really cool. <laughs> Happens in my um, dreams all the time. Yeah. 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 But I, and I think, I think we now makers now creatives now we have become so solitary in our creative pursuits by and large. And there are obviously there are exceptions to that rule, but I know that's true for me. I don't hang out with other painters. I don't hang out with other photographers. I don't hang out with anybody else really who's creative. It's all sort of virtual. I know a lot of people, you know, in other countries and things, but, but I don't just sit around and, and, you know, have coffee or have a whiskey with somebody and talk about the work. And and I feel like m- maybe that's part of why I'm so, um, God, what's the word? What would you use? Isolationist, I guess, about the work. 
that I, I don't see what other people are going through because I don't have that scene around me that, 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 you know, would compare notes about what's going on in their creative lives. Does that make sense? Yeah. Have, have you ever had a relationship like that? Not since college. Right. Yeah. What, was that sort of people you created together with at college? Uh, people in my department, I was in the theater department, so I, I wasn't in fine art or graphic design. I knew people there. Uh, I had, I had friends that, that were in those departments and, and yeah, you'd go hang out at their house and you'd see what they were working on either in class or, or outside of class. And there, there was this, this scene, you know, mm-hmm. um, the theater people would have parties all the time. I mean, theater parties were awesome mm-hmm. because during the school day, you know, the actors and the tech people kind of were doing their own separate things, but you know, the after parties and, and opening night parties and things like that, or just, you know, theater parties, everybody was just in the department and you got to, you got to sit around and talk to people that you normally didn't get to talk to, Mm. you know? And, and it was really interesting to see how, how, how your work and their work related and differed, even though they were, they were part of the same sort of overall thing, but they were different aspects of it. You know, so, and, and same thing with, with the graphic design people and the, and photography people, you know, I, I miss talking to other photographers. Yeah. You know, I think that was one of the things that was so interesting about, uh, the Google plus group short lived though it was when on taking pictures was happening because there was this platform where you could go and, and post and comment and, and it, it, it was ours. Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was different than commenting on, on Instagram or YouTube or Twitter because that belongs to everybody. This, this little group yeah. was just for us and it felt similar to what I'm talking about. What about when you were at Universal? Was there like a team? Were you part of like a creative team there? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was brought in on the flash team. I was working on, uh, the, the sites for the theme parks and oh, it was cool. There was eight or nine of us in a room. Uh, and, and we were the flash team and then there was the programming team. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the day, it was that same kind of thing. During the day, we all had our, our little, you know, projects that we were working on, but then at night we'd stay after work and all play counter-strike together <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, we'd all go out to lunch during the day or we'd go see a movie or, you know, like whatever it was. So, so there was that overlap between public and private creative and personal and I think that it just allows you to connect with people on a different level and then look at your own work on, in a different way as well. Because you, you push each other, I suppose. You, yeah, you, get inspired you, you, you certainly else do. Does. Yeah. When they feedback on your work, because you have a relationship with them, you believe them more. Sure. Um, and just yeah. the influences that they provide. Yeah. You know, whether that's music or, or, you know, film or TV or clothing, like whatever it is, you're, you're outside of yourself. You know, you're, 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 you're being exposed to things without having to go look for them. Yeah. Yeah. We need more communities. I believe that's true. As, as artists, I think you're right. Like we are so separated and you're right as well in the, in the, I suppose that's kind of what the internet encourages, you know, to, to, because you, because you can get so much surface feedback or attention. It's not usually meaningful, but you can, you can get something that satiates you for half a minute because someone hit like or something and that's, that's enough. So you can sit at home on your own and just keep pushing stuff out to the world. But that, I, I mean, uh, today is a good example. I've been sitting at home all day on my own and I can feel 
that I need to get out. Like I, I really need to go and go for coffee with somebody or go sit down with somebody. And that's not even very much, you know, that's just me sitting over a table with one other human being. Um, because, you know, being in my early forties, um, I think we, we, it's so easy to isolate yourself, especially if you make things. And then the things you make become very abstract because I, I make videos and I put them out onto the internet, but I don't really get to talk to the people who watch them. So it's right. kind of abstract, you know, it's almost like making things and throwing it out into a void. And I'm supposed to be satisfied with the fact that X number of people hit a like button on it, but that doesn't fulfill me as a human being. It's not relationships or community or any of that good stuff. Um, no, and, and especially still, because you're you're very vocal about about how how anonymous that is and how that yeah. the numbers are an illusion. So yeah, of course, how could you get meaning from that? And in, and in all honesty, it leaves me feeling pretty lonely. Like you know, mm. I think you hear this from a lot of people who who make stuff and throw it up online. It's like it it, it doesn't it you know I, you're still lonely. You're still like asking for community or looking for it. It's one of the things I miss about the church. You know, mm, is church mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. for all its for all its sins. Church was. Um, it <laughs> Wait, was. You can't a, say that, can you? Yeah, that's right. I'm already going to hell. It's fine. Um, it's, uh, you can't go to hell twice. Um, uh, it's um, it it was it was amazing community. You know, it was right. people who intentionally looked after each other, and if someone was struggling. You, you 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 went and sat down with them or you took them for coffee or you went round to their house to check on them and see if they were okay. You did that stuff, that good stuff. And, you know, for all, aside from creativity, which also happens in church, I mean, creativity was where I had my, my music years and my band years and all that kind of mm-hmm, stuff, you know, mm-hmm. push each other musically for sure. But more than that, you kind of push each other with life stuff. So if you were struggling with something, you go over and sit down with them and ask, you know, hey, tell me what's going on. And, and you'd you'd work on solutions together, and you'd 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 help each other. You check in on each other. You you do good stuff with each other. And I think in, a, in most of modern society, we've lost that stuff. And we have to be individually very intentional about building that stuff around us, or we we are most of us pretty lonely. And I think most of us honestly are pretty lonely. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know what the solution is, but I just. I think because uh, I've often thought about starting an actual group. When I moved up here to Yorkshire, I was like, I'm going to start a group in York um, that just maybe meets together once a week and, you know, hangs out and, and has a drink and a chat and maybe someone gives a talk or something. And I'm like, shit, am I starting a cult now? But I'm like, stop, <laughs> stop, stop thinking that. Like, it's just, it's just, it's good because, uh, you know, it, it's got to, it, just do the community thing. I, I I resisted for years, actually, after I left the church. I was encouraged by so many people, why don't you start a little church? Um, and I, I resisted it forever because I didn't want to start something that was like, that that would quickly turn into all the things I hated about the institution I left, you know? Right. Because that's right. how these Whether things, or not that was intentional. Absolutely. Right? Because that's how these yeah, things yeah. work. You always become yeah. the thing you you run away from. But now that it's now that it's like creativity and everything, it's it's a totally different world. I almost feel like the mistakes you could make trying something like that would be far outweighed by the good it would do for so many people. Mm-hmm. And it's worth risking and doing. And I, it's in the back of my mind. I mean, imagine. Have you, you ever experienced that since you left the church? Have you ever experienced any sort of community like that? Like, did you ever do 
little salons or, or, you know, small group meetings or, or has it been pretty absent since you left the church? Yeah. Not, not, not since the church. No. I mean, really, I had, I've had friends obviously who you hang out with one at a time, maybe, maybe two at a time as a little group, but no, nothing like where everyone knows everyone in a group of say 20 and you all hang out intentionally and you build a community between you. No, I think we've lost that, man. It's that, Mm -hmm. especially in cities because it's trendy in cities, isn't it? To just pretend you're busy all the time. I'd love to hang out with you, but I'm, you know, sleeping and doing my hair tonight or whatever it is like that. that, Oh gosh, he's so busy and he's so important. He he doesn't have time for us. Wow. He must be very, very important, but it's, it's, we're killing ourselves because we're not actually building time for that intentional (laughs) community stuff. We, we think we look very cool doing it, but man alive, we're missing out on like, you know, not long ago, a few hundred years ago, we had villages, you know, right. That that's been really cool actually is, Meeting people where I am now, because I actually live in a, sm- a fairly small town, maybe a large village, uh, out just north of York. And I'm starting to meet people here. And what's lovely is everybody knows everybody here. Mm-hmm. And they look after each other, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and they know their neighbors and they, they, they want to come over. They'll, they'll come over and knock on the door and they'll invite you over for a meal. Like, I, I, it's it's more normal in this part of the world than it was in London, say, where I, I didn't know my neighbors ever except mm. to bang on the wall to tell them to shut up because they were at some <laughs> karaoke party at like two in the morning. That's all I knew. And you, you, right. you didn't see even your friends often enough because you were so busy. But I really think like if we're that busy, we've got no balance in our life. If we're that busy. Yeah. If we're Full not, disclosure, I am not that busy. No, neither am I. And, and, yeah. and, and I wasn't when I was in London is the truth. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I think like, I, I, you kind of slide in with everyone else going like, oh yeah, I'll find a slot in my calendar. Shut up and get on the bus and go for coffee with somebody. Like right. what is more important than that actually? Can you can you really not balance your life better or, or, or throw out some of the stuff that we say is, throw out some Netflix and make time for human beings. I promise you, you'll feel better for it. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that that sense of community was such a, was such a large part of your life and identity. I would imagine that you feel that loss more sharply than I do because it was such a big part of your life. I mean, you know, I've had friends, but I think that there was, at least for a time, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was so much meaning and so much of you tied to that experience that not having that must be a very tangible loss. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean... You know, I, I don't want that back uh, like I had it there because it, it's also made me suspicious of church, uh, of, sure. of community like that, because because the minute I started saying things they didn't agree with, I was kicked out of that community and I lost job, friends, everything overnight because it was more of a cult than a real community. But it right. also makes me excited for what real community can be when it's people first and not an ideology. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that that's the good stuff you know it's it's always a problem when it's ideology or rules first but if it's people first I, I don't think you can go wrong you know and that's that's something even though i've had like an amazing example in some ways of community i also know ways that it could be much better than that right yeah well i think that's that's how you approached this this workshop uh it it wasn't a f- i mean yes i guess ostensibly it's a photo workshop but I love the way you approached it as 
we're going to connect as people. We're going to do these activities as people. And if some sort of creative thing happens, that's okay too. But let's just connect with one another and, and for a little while have this little group of people who are connected. I love that. What, the, the workshop we're planning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not even a photography workshop. I'm being really clear about it. Like it, we, we'll, we'll go out and take photographs together. But the point is to just spend a week with each other and hang out. And I'm, I'm already insecure about the fact that people will come wanting a program. Like mm -hmm. oh, we're going to do this and then you're going to teach us this. And then there's going to be this PowerPoint presentation. And then I can write down these 10 points. I'm like, I'm not doing any of that. Like I'm going right. to trust that if you get a, a group of people together in a space for a few days that hanging out together, we will leave so refreshed and inspired and a burden lifted because we can actually talk and connect with other human beings in a deeper way than we can on a quick online chat or whatever, that, that right. that's the stuff we're all missing. Um, yeah, I, it's, that's so good to me, you know? Do you think taking away the expectation will lead to a richer experience? Do you think we've, we've become so prescriptive in that way where, you know, I'm going to go to your point, I'm going to come, I'm going to come home with 10 new ways to make my photography or my creativity, whatever it is better. But by removing those expectations, it's, it's almost like you're, you're allowing something to germinate just organically rather than saying, well, you're, you're going to get this, 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 and this by the end of this. Yeah, but I don't think, I think some people won't get it. And that's, that's, mm. that's always my insecurity is you'll get bad reviews for that workshop from a select group who wanted to come and, and, and learn about their camera. Even if I tell them that's not what it is, that's, that's what they want. And that they'll mm -hmm. come and, oh yeah, I didn't really learn anything on this workshop. I'm like, well, that's kind of your fault, you know, cause it's not a <laughs> workshop, it's a retreat. <laughs> And you didn't take the opportunity to connect with other people. And people don't like that. You know, they, they want mm -hmm. to, I'm going to pay this amount of money. And then in return, I want, I want all my expectations met, even though I won't tell you what they are. And, and at that point, I don't, I don't really care. Like, because I know for the right people, it will be one of the most meaningful experiences of their lives. So I'll talk about it forever for the right people, but there's no way to filter that. You just have to trust that hopefully the right people will find it and, Right. Realize it's for them. And then if you're I going to get that right up front. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a terrific way to approach it in calling it a retreat and not a workshop. Well, that, yeah. Because that, I think you're, yeah. you're, you're setting that tone. Yeah, exactly. I'm not teaching you. Like we, mm -hmm. the, the irony is I'll do a lot of teaching, but I'm not telling you that. The irony is we will go out and go to, you know, Siena for the day and we'll, we'll, we'll take photographs. We'll do street photography. And if you want to know about it, uh, while we're out and about, if you've got questions, you'll ask me questions and I'll answer every single one of your questions. But I'm not sitting you down in a room and doing a PowerPoint presentation or giving you exercises. It's going to have to be more conversational and human than that. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to do a bunch of other stuff that's got nothing to do with photography. And that will frustrate a handful of people because I came for, because you're a photographer, Sean, that's why I came. Right. But, but, but the people who get it are going to be like, oh my gosh, we get to, we get to make pasta from scratch tonight. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're going to go, we're, we're going to have a wine tasting with somebody who really knows how to, how to look for flavor and, and, and develop a palate. Yeah. What's that got to do with photography? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. nothing. But yeah. in yeah. the same way as like Werner Herzog in his online uh, masterclass I did online, he, his, his two pieces of advice for the course are his two exercises. Are one, go read the book, The Peregrine, which has nothing to do with filmmaking. It's about a guy 
who 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 watches peregrine falcons and writes about them in beautiful prose and then walk a hundred miles without a camera just walk a hundred miles in any direction in one go even if it takes you a couple of days because he's like both of those things will teach you how to see and that will make you a better filmmaker i'm not going to teach you how to use a camera or frame stuff or cut or tell a story with film go do those two things that you think have nothing to do with it but i promise you if you do them properly will be far more profound than, than teaching you how to use a camera, which you can teach yourself in 10 minutes in a YouTube video online. You don't need me for that. Love it. I would love to see more of these types of experiences start to dot the workshop landscape. Yeah, you know me what I mean? Too. Me too. Where, where you didn't come home with a goodie bag and a PDF of 10 ways <laughs> to get better headshots. Oh, that'll still be a goodie bag. <laughs> you have to... <laughs> you not have a goodie bag. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing I want to go on. And I know there must be more people out there like me who, who don't want to be baby. They don't want to go back to camp. You know, I want to be treated like an adult and trusted that I'm going to milk a great experience for everything it's worth and not have it be so prescriptive. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of for, it's kind of for thinking adults who don't need, who don't need to go home with a worksheet. You know, they know that's right. not the valuable thing. The valuable thing is hanging out, not and not because because I'm running a, a retreat, but because of everybody who goes on that retreat. The other the other thirteen people who go on that retreat, it's connecting with all of them as much, and you'll make friends right. for life, and you will you you'll you'll connect with people who do things differently to you, and you'll have you know a hundred conversations over the week. Some of them late at night, you know, two in the morning because you just get talking to somebody, and and you, those are the things you'll remember. Not if I did a PowerPoint and told you how to use f-stop and shutter speed on your camera you won't remember that you remember those conversations i want to fill the week with that stuff because that's the good stuff create as much space for that as possible subscribe to jeffrey sidoris everything in your favorite podcast app to get deep natter along with process driven and everything else i release all in one feed If you'd like to support the show and help others find it, you can leave a review or a rating wherever you listen and share it on social media. And as a reminder, you can listen to the show live and be a part of the conversations Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K. On his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sidoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S or on my website at jeffreysidoris.com. As always, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you sharing your time with us and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Mm-hmm.